This is Pastor Landon Davis. Thank you for joining me for our daily Bible study. Today we'll be looking at Acts chapter 8. Saul was consenting to his death. Speaking of the death of Stephen. A great persecution arose against the assembly which was in Jerusalem in that day. They were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except for the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and lamented greatly over him. But Saul ravaged the assembly, entering into every house, and dragged both men and women off to prison. Therefore, those who were scattered abroad went about preaching the word. And so we were introduced to this character, Saul. Uh, they laid their garments at his feet as they stoned uh, Stephen. And then after the violence, it seems that this triggered something in the Jews. There was a great persecution came on the church in Jerusalem. In particular, Saul is named as ravaging the assembly and dragging people off to prison. What they find, though, is instead of stopping the fire of revival, persecution seems to further ignite it. As the church scatters and flees, they preach the gospel of Christ everywhere that they go. Verse 5, Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. The multitudes listened with one accord to the things that were spoken by Philip when they heard and saw the signs which he did. For unclean spirits came out of many of those who had them. They came out crying with a loud voice. Many who had been paralyzed and lame were healed. There was great joy in that city. But there was a certain man, Simon by name, who used to practice sorcery in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, making himself out to be some great one, to whom they all listened, from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is that great power of God. They listened to him because for a long time he had amazed them with his sorceries. But when they believed Philip preaching good news concerning God's kingdom and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself also believed being baptized. He continued with Philip, seeing signs and great miracles occurring. He was amazed. So Philip, all we know about Philip really is that he's uh, been is spirit-filled and, and is called to preach. And when he goes, God confirms his word and he preaches Jesus and the signs follow and the wonders follow. And the Samaritan people are the people of Samaria who had once been deceived under the influence of a man named Simon that practiced sorcery. Uh, they hear the gospel and it's confirmed in front of them and they believe Philip and they place their faith instead of in the sorcerer who had bewitched them for so long. They place their faith in Christ. And it says Philip was preaching about God's kingdom and when he preached about the kingdom, they were baptized in the name of Jesus. And so we see that part of kingdom preaching is preaching about water baptism in the name of the Lord. Those that accepted his message were baptized. And when were they baptized? It tells us when they believed. We see the pattern again. As soon as someone believes the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ, believes in the Lordship of Christ, then it's time for them to respond. And the first step of obedience upon repenting and turning to God is to be baptized in water. Um, Philip preached it so convincingly and demonstrated it in such power that even the imposter Simon, who had been known as the man that was the great power of God, he couldn't deny it. He was amazed and believed himself, and then he came and was baptized. He was converting to this same faith. 
Verse 14, Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down, prayed for them, that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for as yet he had fallen on none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of Christ Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon saw that the Holy Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give me also this power, that whomever I lay my hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart isn't right before God. Repent, therefore, of this your wickedness, and ask God if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the poison of bitterness and in the bondage of iniquity. Simon answered, Pray for me to the Lord that none of the things which you have spoken happen to me. Now these few verses are just packed with doctrinal truth. Um, remember the foundations we read as we began the book of Acts. We read from the book of Hebrews because we said we would see this pattern recurring. In Hebrews chapter 6, it described the foundation of faith as repentance from dead works, faith towards God, the teaching of baptism, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. And what we see in these conversions, a pattern uh, emerges that they touch on all of these things. Of course, when you preach Jesus, uh, you're preaching the resurrection of the dead, and and when people are responding to be saved, then obviously you've preached about the judgment to come and that they need to be saved from that. But what about faith towards God, baptisms, and the laying on of hands? Those are the other elements, and that's what we're going to see repeatedly. We saw um, most of these mentioned specifically in Acts chapter 2. And now we see it again here as they make converts in Samaria. When the apostles heard that the people of Samaria had received the word, that means they had believed and been baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ, then Peter and John came to pray that they might receive the Spirit. So they had believed, they had been healed, they had been baptized. It even said that there was great joy in the city. There was an inward work that was being done. But none of this meant that they had received the Spirit. There was something else, something in addition to initial faith and and even water baptism uh, that was meant by receiving the Spirit or the baptism of the Spirit. And so when they laid hands on them, the Bible says that the Spirit fell on them. Well, then the question is, how did they know? How could you take people who believed in Christ and say the Spirit hasn't fallen on them yet? And then say, okay, now the Spirit has fallen on them. It says Simon saw that through the laying on of hands, the people received the Spirit. So what did Simon see? There must have been a sign, a way of telling, okay, now the Spirit has come. And we'll find throughout the book of Acts that the consistent sign when someone receives the Spirit is that they speak in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. Um, And I believe that's exactly what happened here. There was some external evidence of the inward work. And we're going to see that is consistently, uh, it was what we were introduced to in Acts chapter 2. And then in the chapters um, right after this, uh, we're going to find, once again, that's going to be emphasized, that this was how they knew that someone had received the Spirit. 
Another point of doctrine, uh, so we see that they were baptized in the name of Jesus when they believed. They were expected to receive the Spirit and pray until the promise came to them. But another point of doctrine that we find is when we were first introduced to Simon, we were told that he believed. Some people say, well, he, he didn't really believe, but that's not what the Bible says. It says he was a believer and that he was baptized. However, he falls back into his old way of thinking. So he starts seeing these people receive the Spirit, and he used to make money by bewitching the people. And he starts thinking of the money that he could make if he could charge people to receive this gift. When Peter realizes the thoughts of his heart, he rebuked him, and he said, You and your money can perish. You have no part in this matter because your heart isn't right. Now, that sounds a whole lot like what we would describe as backsliding today. And so Peter told him that he needed to repent because he was bound by iniquity. Simon was not right with God. He would have perished lost at that point. So Peter said, pray that God may forgive you of this. And so we see that a believer, while grace is given and salvation is free, um, and, and certainly no one is perfect, but there the Lord does insist that we be sincere, that we be seeking to serve Him and, uh, and, and not to abuse the grace and the gifts that He's given to us. And so um, I think this is an example of someone falling away. And Simon, uh, fortunately, he, the, the message touches his heart and he says, well, pray that none of this will happen to me. Verse 25, they therefore, when they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, returned to Jerusalem and preached the good news to many villages of the Samaritans. But an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise, and go towards the south, to the way that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert. He arose and went, and behold, there was a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was over all her treasure, who had come to Jerusalem to worship. He was returning and sitting in his chariot and was reading the prophet Isaiah. The spirit said to Philip, Go near and join yourself to this chariot. Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said, Do you understand what you are reading? He said, How can I unless someone explain it to me? He begged Philip to come up and sit with him. Now, the passage of the scripture which he was reading was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, as a lamb before his shearer is silent, so he doesn't open his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. Who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. The eunuch answered Philip, Who is the prophet talking about? About himself or about someone else? Philip opened his mouth and beginning from this scripture preached to him about Jesus. As they went on the way, they came to some water and the eunuch said, Behold, here is water. What is keeping me from being baptized? If you believe with all your heart, you may, he answered. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He commanded the chariot to stand still, and they both went down into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, and the eunuch didn't see him any more, for he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azotus, passing through. He preached the good news to all the cities until he came to Caesarea. So this little story is one of my favorites because it emphasizes the love that God has for the lost and all that went into reaching this one man. The first miracle is that Philip is divinely directed to go to the desert. And then when he gets here, when he gets there, the Spirit 
tells him to join himself to a particular chariot. And this is where the second miracle, I would say, occurs because as he comes next to that chariot, the man he encounters is an Ethiopian. But it's not just any Ethiopian, but an Ethiopian who is seeking to understand the Hebrew scriptures and to worship the true God. And he is reading aloud from Isaiah. And I said it's a miracle because he's actually reading aloud about Jesus as Philip approaches him. Such perfect timing. And so Philip starts from that same scripture and preaches Jesus to him. And that's the little summary. It just says he preached Jesus. And the eunuch's immediate response was, what is keeping me from being baptized? And so what we see when you preach Jesus, you have to preach baptism. And so so preaching about baptism is part of what it means to preach about Jesus. And so in the same way, believing what the scripture says about water baptism is part of what it means to believe in Jesus. And so this is his first introduction to Christ, his very first sermon. And already it's time to be baptized. Philip said, well, if you believe with all your heart, you can be baptized. And so then there is uh, what maybe appeared to be a coincidence, but since we see how the hand of God was in all of this, I would say was another miracle. And that's as they're having this discussion, he says, well, here's water. Now, this is in the desert. Here's water. What's going to keep me from being baptized? So there's enough water here for me to be baptized. And then after he's baptized, the final miracle, as soon as Philip baptized him, the Spirit catches Philip away. All of this was done so that one man could hear about Jesus and be baptized in water. And so we see the the heart that the Lord has for the lost. And we see through this chapter how revival comes when people are passionate about preaching, teaching, testifying about the goodness of God. Let's pray together that we could be that kind of Christian and that kind of church. Father, we thank you for your word. I pray in the name of Jesus that it would find lodging in our hearts. I ask that you would help us, Lord, to be quick to testify about your goodness. I pray that we would see many people believe, repent, be baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ, and be baptized in the Spirit. We pray that you would pour out the Holy Ghost on our generation. We pray it in Jesus' name. God bless you. Thank you for listening. Join me again tomorrow for another episode.